0: Okay, I invite you to take your Bibles, open it to Ephesians 6, and today will actually be the last sermon on spiritual warfare. Um, It's been a long journey of our spiritual warfare series within the series of Ephesians, and I would say I think it ends on the climax, uh, climax of our secret weapon, the secret weapon we have as Christians in our fight, in our resistance, in our stand against the devil and his schemes, something I believe that if we would take this up as a church together, and that the Lord, Lord willing, would revive that in all of us, the attitude of prayer, prayer for, for churches, for pastors, for institutions, for, for the kingdom of Satan to be torn down, and what good we will see in this land and in our church and in our lives. And, and that's really my prayer, that the seed that will be sown now, that the Lord will make it grow in all of your hearts. But, so let's read, for all time's sake, from verse 10, the whole section on spiritual warfare. As we read it, remember this is the words of the living God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Lord, please, we ask you for your, your grace and your mercy. Lord, we need you. Even in the hearing of your word, Lord, we know we can't change on our own. So we pray, Father, even as the word is preached, that you would change us, draw us to yourself, and make us more like Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so in this last section of spiritual warfare, Paul ends by telling us, How we ought to pray. Prayer is to be seen as part of our weaponry against the devil. Now we know that because of the flow of verse 18. Verse 18 is not a new sentence. Don't miss this connection. Verse 18 flows naturally from verse 17. So as I read verse 17 again, feel the flow. It says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times. Do you see how that just connects naturally to the whole spirit, the whole armor of God? And literally the Greek is structured a bit differently for emphasis. So if I were to read it in Greek, it would have, it's, it's, it's literally says this. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and supplication, praying at all times in the spirit. So the with all prayer and supplication comes first for emphasis. So that flow of thought, that flow communicates that as we pick up every piece of the armor of God, we have to pick it up with all prayer, with all prayer and supplication. Tighten the belt of truth with all prayer. Take the breastplate of righteousness with all prayer. Take the shoes of the readiness of the gospel with all prayer. Do you see prayer is to flavor everything we do in the spiritual warfare in our lives as we go about our daily lives. Now, that is ironic when we think of spiritual warfare. When you think of a soldier, you think of someone charging into battle, right? But the Christian soldier fights on his knees. That's how we fight. We are strong when we are weak. We win when we are dependent on someone else. We are strong when we are strong in the strength of the Lord, And there's no greater way that that displays itself, that humility that says, Lord, I can't do this, than prayer. Prayer makes you feel the weight of Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Prayer makes us feel our dependency on God for every time we share the Bible with somebody else in our discipleship or in evangelism. Because remember, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God must give the growth. He is the only way our evangelism, our teaching of the Bible can be successful. Prayer makes us feel the weight of Proverbs 21, verse 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So we might call our spiritual warfare against the devil a dependent discipline. A dependent discipline. These are like two wings of an airplane. We need both if we are to win. We ought to be disciplined. A soldier needs to be fit. A soldier needs to train hard. A soldier needs to ensure that he is wearing the full armor of God provided. The war horse still needs to be prepared for the day of battle. That still needs to be done. But it's a dependent discipline. The victory belongs to the Lord. We know we must sow. We know we must water the seed. But we know also that only God gives the growth. You see, it's not either or. Either God does this or we do this. It's a dependent discipline. Discipline. So that's what this means in our spiritual warfare. And this section is probably one of the most comprehensive sections on prayer you will find in the entire Bible. Because notice how many times the word all appears in verse 18. So just look at that. The word all just comes up over and over again. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. In summary, all prayer all the time with all perseverance for all the saints. Do you have it? Okay, I can do the benediction right there, right? <laughs> but let's break these verses up into five aspects of biblical praying. Five aspects of faithful biblical praying that God is calling all of us, all of you or as his children into. Number one, prayer must be continual. Prayer must be continual. For us to pray biblically, We have to pray continually. Look at verse 18 again at the beginning. It simply says, Praying at all times. Prayer for the believer is to be like breathing. It has to be natural. It has to come, be throughout the day. Now, of course, that doesn't mean you have to literally pray at all times, nonstop, without doing anything else. Well, number one, because you can't. That's physically impossible. We are limited creatures, and we are limited by design. God doesn't despise you for having limited concentration, limited attention spans, right? That's how he made you. You are but dust. Remember that. You are limited in more ways than one, not not only in just focusing on the Lord, right? We can't do that. But I think the attitude of this all times is not so much focusing on Literally praying all times, but more the posture or the attitude of your heart. The posture or the attitude of your heart. Where is your heart running to naturally? Where is it fleeing to? Where is the natural response of your, your heart going when you face trials, when you meet temptation, when you read something beautiful? What is your response to that? Is the, compass, is the needle of the compass of your heart always pointing due north to God, Before you have that lunch with a friend, do you pray, God, give me the words to say to this friend? Before you go to Bible study, Lord, let this, even this Bible study, make me more like Jesus. Before you you come to church, Lord, please speak to me. I want to hear you speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Is your heart always tugging upwards to God in everything you do, right? That's, That's what I mean by, I think Paul means when he says at all times. This should be like the natural Direction of your heart, going to God for grace, for wisdom, for strength, for for everything. So we we pray before every event, especially when we know God's word will be going out. But that also means we pray after every event. right? I I see that as the watering. So the beforehand is, Lord, let the seed fall, and then after, okay, Lord, let the seed grow with this water. You're watering the seed with prayer. And here, parents, I want to say this to parents specifically, this means that you have to regularly pray that God might use your family worship, that it might take root in both your hearts and in the hearts of your children, that that memory verse you've just memorized, that you would pray, Lord, please help them see the truth of that verse, help them feel it. Before and after church, we should be asking God, Lord, please let these words be fruitful in our lives. As we leave this place, let that be the prayers we lift up to God. God, let let the word not fall on hard ground, but on fruitful ground for your kingdom. Prayer is our secret weapon against our enemy. When he wants to steal the word out of the hearts of people, we resist him through prayer. And I will say, I think the biggest catalyst to praying like this at all times, meaning as an attitude of your heart, is to make sure that you have a protected, dedicated time of extended prayer where you would guard your mornings when you wake up for your Bible reading, your meditation, and your prayers for God very specifically. Because that attitude kind of flows into then everything else you do. It it salt and peppers the conversations you have with everybody else. I want to share a great secret that um, George Mueller discovered. A man we know of amazing prayer, right? If you want to learn about prayer, read uh, George Mueller's autobiography. Literally feeding thousands of orphans, literally by faith and prayer, alone. (laughs) Okay. But I love the secret he found in prayer. He shares the secret in his autobiography. and It's going to be an extended quote, but I want to read this to you. He says, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend to every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. That's the biggest thing for him. First thing to my soul needs to be happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, But how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed. I might in other ways seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world. And yet not being happy in the Lord, not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day. All this might not be attended to in a right spirit. Before this time, my practice had been at least for 10 years previously. So he struggled for 10 years. Hopefully you never have to struggle again. (laughs) Okay, 10 years previously as an habitual thing to give myself to prayer after having dressed in the morning. But now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and the meditation on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, instructed, reproved, Encouraged, And that thus, whilst meditating, my heart might be brought into experimental communion with the Lord. I began, therefore, to meditate on the New Testament from the beginning early in the morning. The first thing I did after having asked in a few words the Lord's blessing upon His precious Word was to begin to meditate on the Word of God, searching, as as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it. Not for the sake of the public ministry of the Word, not for the sake of preaching on what I had meditated upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. The result I have found be almost invariably this, that after a few minutes, my soul had been led to confession, to thanksgiving, to intercession, or to supplication. So that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer, but to meditation, yet it turned almost immediately more or less into prayer. You see, so that's what I want to give to you as the secret, right, is to let the word of God lead you on lead you in your prayer life, to meditate upon it, to, to memorize verses throughout the day, you will feel your soul also lifting up in prayer. And that will also keep your mind focused. I don't know about you, if you start of prayer and you want to pray long, the first quarter, the first half an hour is wasted. Right? Yo, I still have to do that. I still have to be there. Okay, wait, I was busy praying. Sorry. Okay. Okay, I'm coming back to prayer. Thinking of prayer. And then and then your mind just drifts. But when you meditate on the word, it's as if it keeps your thoughts locked and guided in prayer as well. So take that. Take meditation of God's word with you as you go into your day. Take a memory verse, fill your heart with it, and then be lifted up in prayer in all the day. So that's the first aspect. Prayer must be continual. But secondly, prayer must be spirit-driven. Prayer must be spirit-driven. Look at verse 18 again. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, I've wrestled a, a long time with what this means, to pray in the Spirit. Also, a little bit jealous and longing to, to pray like this as well. And I hope you feel that as well. I want to be praying in the Spirit. That's something I want for my life. And to start with an answer, there's not going to be the full answer, but you have to see the close connection with verse 17. Don't forget the close connection with verse 17. Let's read it again. Take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. So one crucial element to praying in the spirit is to be controlled by the sword of the spirit. It is similar to being filled with the spirit, to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, to be led through his word, to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that your prayers becomes more God's kingdom, God's name be honored, God's will be done. Lord, not my will be done, but yours be done. That's Praying in the Holy Spirit, but I think it's more than that. I think it's more than just praying according to the Word of God, because remember the Spirit dwells within us he's called the comforter he's called the helper he's called he's our constant companion in in our lives and there's an amazing parallel in Romans eight I think comes close to what Paul also says here romans eight twenty six to twenty seven <clears throat> it says Likewise, look, look, at, look at the Spirit's role here. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, now you want to ask, what are we ought? What should we be praying for? The next verse clarifies that as well. It says, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, according to the will of God. There's, again, the close connection between the sword of the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. We need to be praying according to the will of God. And where we are weak, the Spirit helps us. Where we are struggling to know what to say, the Spirit comes and aids us and intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. So even when we don't really know what to pray for, there the Spirit is helping us and aiding us. Notice again, for whom is the Spirit praying in verse 27? Interceding for all the saints. For the saints. That sounds very similar to our text as well. We should be praying for all the saints. That's another element of spiritual prayer. You would pray much more for other Christians. Other believers. You will pray much more the hour of the Our Father. <laughs> okay? That hour will have some weight behind it. You won't just say My Father. You'll say Our Father. You'll be thinking of your brothers and sisters in Christ. The Spirit wants to lead you there. To intercessory prayers for one another. So that's how I think. I think the more spiritful you are, the more Bible-saturated you will be and the more saint-oriented you will be. You will be focusing on other believers and asking God for them. Now, I'm going to say, where can I start with this? If I want to just start somewhere to learn to pray in the Spirit, what can I do? Well, you don't don't even have to go outside of Ephesians, okay? There are two prayers in Ephesians for us to, to copy and paste. To, to, to learn to pray according to, to pray in step with in chapters one and at the end of chapter three. Two prayers of Paul, how he prayed for the church. You can start seeing what should be my priorities in prayer, What should I be praying for other believers? Paul's prayers in general, okay? You can go outside of Paul of Ephesians and just look at all of his prayers and see, this is how spiritual prayers look like. These are the kind of things I need to be asking God to do for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Also pray for the help of the Spirit when you pray. It's a simple thing you can do. Ask Him directly. Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you now. Would you help me in my prayer? Would you push on my heart those saints, those people you want me to be praying for today? And that's how dependency looks like on the ground. So that's number two. Prayer must be spirit Driven And number three, prayer must be varied. Varied, varied. I hope I'm saying it right. <laughs> Verse 18, the rest of it says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. I think that all prayer can be paraphrased as all kinds of prayer. So every kind of prayer you should be incorporating into your prayer life. As, a, as one example, 1 Timothy 2, 1 it says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Our corporate prayer, we try to, Im- to follow the ACTS acronym. So if you listen to the way we pray at church, we follow the ACTS acronym. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We try to emulate or embody that for your edification every single Sunday. And again, I find this va- variety... The variety of thanksgiving, confession, thanksgiving, or um, intercession, comes naturally after you've read your Bible. Again, so when I just think of adoring God, I sometimes struggle. Like, what should I be praising God for? But after I've read Isaiah, okay, or you read God doing wonders in the Bible, and you just see His work, you just stop and say, God, you are awesome. You are amazing. I see your good works, your, your miracles, your wonders, your steadfast love, your grace. When you see sin in the Bible and and you can feel the Spirit of God pointing that sin and pressing it into your heart, you're like, yes, Lord, this is me. Forgive me, cleanse me, give me a new heart, right? Or this reminds me of that person. Lord, I pray for that brother. I pray for that sister. You see, so again, give yourself first thing in the morning to the Word of God and to its meditation and you will find your prayers also blossoming in a great variety of different sorts. Number four, prayer needs to be Persistent, persistent praying. Look at verse 18, the rest of it. It says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. We need to keep on keeping on, okay? Just keep going, keep going, okay? Until it is clear what God's answer is to our prayers, we should not stop asking God. Until it's clear what God's answer is to our prayers, we should not stop asking asking him that is faith at work and that's I don't I know many of you would relate to this that's especially true when you're praying for someone's salvation when you're praying for an unbeliever and you're just praying and praying and praying you're wondering maybe it's not the lord's will to save this person you're doubting that but you've been burdened about this person for years and you wonder is should i not is is the fact that god does not answer my prayer the proof that he doesn't want to save this person but beloved, listen to me. Exactly the opposite is true. Exactly the opposite. Uh, i want to read to you another quote. Oswald Sanders wrote, The very fact that God lays a burden of prayer on our hearts and keeps us praying is prima facie evidence that he purposes to grant the answer. When asked if he really believed that two men for whose salvation he had prayed for over 50 years. So, This is, again, George Mueller, over 50 years praying for two men's salvation. George Mueller of Bristol was asked if it was God's will to convert them, of which he replied, Do you think God would have kept me praying all these years if he did not intend to save them? Both men were converted, one shortly before, the other after Mueller's death. So... (laughs) I find that so encouraging. God can answer your prayers even after you've died, okay? He knows the best timing for your joy to answer your prayers. Even when that's in heaven, when you're already in paradise, that's going to increase your joy to the max. He knows that. So, beloved, God can be trusted. God is good. God is infinite in wisdom. God is love. God is your Father. He knows. You can trust Him when you are praying persistently. No, he will answer in his perfect time, in his perfect way, for his glory and for your joy, even after you've died. So keep on praying. And lastly, prayer is to be church-focused. Prayer is to be church-focused. Now, this is, I think, which, which would shock most of us at the end of this when it says, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, again, we can say what it doesn't mean is to pray for the saints in China and by name because we don't know them, right? You can pray for the church in China. And, but I would say, I think this verse comes close to Galatians 6 verse 10. Galatians 6 verse 10 tells us to do good to everybody, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So yes, pray for everyone, especially for, for those of the household of the faith, it's a simple concept, right? You love your, fa- your closest family more than you love a stranger on the street. You love your church family more than you love uh, uh, the church family outside. Because we are cl- the closest family together. We pray for all saints, especially for the saints right here, right next to you. The saints you know, the faces you can see. Th- we are our closest family members. Think of if, if I can give you a picture to help you with this, is think of concentric circles in your prayers. So if you start with those closest to you. Those are the people God has placed you in your sphere of influence to be praying for more often. So, of course, like your, your wife, your husband, your children, top of the list. They should be, be showering, be baptized, okay? And my view of baptism is immersion. So immerse them, <laughs> okay? That was just a joke. I hope, I hope everybody caught it, Okay. There should be a lot of praying for our closest family members and then our extended family members and the same is true for Christians as well. Who are those who is your pastor? Right? Who are you submitting to as as your pastor? Who are your church members? Who are you, who have you covenanted with to walk together this Christian life? Those are the Christians you are to be praying for more often, more regularly. That's one of the many reasons why I believe church membership to be a member of a church is biblical and healthy. It is good to belong to a church where you are under a loving eldership, a biblical uh, eldership and where members regularly pray for one another. So that's why we also have our church directory. I have a few church directories with me if you want one. That includes all of our members of this church and that's just a great way to pray for by name, seeing them. There was these photos as well, seeing them and praying for them and asking God intercessory prayers for them. Apart from your Bible, I believe that should be closest to you. Keep that in your Bible. One of my favorite things to do as as um, in our family worship is to use that church directory, and to lead my children. Say, so today we're praying for Brother Reinhardt. Today we're praying for Brother Phil and Esther and for the baby on the way, and it's just amazing to be praying these specific prayers for one another every day of the week. Now, just some other ideas for you to, I hope, I just want to stir you up for the good works, right? As Having like something like a prayer book or a prayer calendar, that's a good idea. Prayer book where you can just write down names, churches, institutions that you want to regularly pray for. In your prayer book, you could Copy all of Paul's prayers to remind you of how to pray biblically, how to how biblical prayers look like. You can record prayers answered or new prayer requests as they come along. Prayer calendar is helpful for me because I divide the people I want to pray for in a couple of weeks. And just I just work work through that list every day. And it's just amazing to keep me accountable to pray for you and to pray for other people. But whatever tool you use, use something to keep you on track with the church-focused prayer. We need help. And here I believe the text also leads us naturally to regularly pray for church leaders, especially. Look at verses um, 19 to 20. Paul, Paul says, pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Beloved, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me more than you are currently doing? <laughs> okay. um, I need it. I need your prayers. The devil knows if he can bring down the elders, the pastors of a church, he can do extraordinary harm. So prayer for church leaders is a powerful way to remain strong, to remain a, a robust church for many years to come. I love this from Charles Spurgeon. Someone asked him once, what is the secret to your ministry? And Charles Spurgeon said, my people pray for me. Will you do that for me, please? Focus your prayers for for church leaders, for other pastors you might know. Focus on kingdom priorities. Um, I find it amazing. Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains, but he's not praying for freedom from prison. That's not what he wants. He's kingdom-minded in his life, right? He's praying, he's praying for basically two things. He says he asks for prayer for words, and number two, for boldness. Look at verse 19 again very closely. It says, Pray for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. You and I need words to proclaim the gospel. We need the best words the most persuasive words, the most direct words, the most loving words for people. And we don't always know what that is. So to have that, we need the help of God and the help of the prayers of one another. So I want to say this is something we should feel okay to do from time to time. WhatsApping one another and say, listen, I have this conversation with this person. Please pray for me for words. I need words. Some words. I don't know what. I don't know what yet. I just need something. Will you strive with me in your prayers for the right words at this moment, at this lunch, at this hospitality invite that I have of this person? But again, words won't mean anything if we don't have the boldness to say the words. So the second thing Paul asks for is boldness. And he says it twice. Look at verse 19 to 20. It says, That words may be given to me in opening my mouth, number one, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador and change, that I may declare it, boldly it's emphasized we are praying that we would fear people less and love them more that's the real reason why we remain quiet when we know we ought to speak is we are scared of them we fear people and we love ourselves we need to fear God and love our neighbor love them more than what we are loving them currently The best of friends will tell the most truth to people. The best of friends will tell the most truth. But I want to encourage you as well. I find this very encouraging that the Apostle Paul asks for boldness. Okay, I'm going to say again. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is asking for boldness. I would have thought, Paul, you don't need boldness. You're Paul. Look at what you've done. And so the encouraging thing here is, beloved, Paul was a man like us. He too battled with the fear of man. He too battled, was tempted to remain quiet when he needed to speak. And how did he overcome that? Please pray for me. You see, he didn't even pray for, of course he prayed for himself, right? But here we see he's asking the church, I want you, I need you to pray for me. I need your help. The prayers of the saints. And that's why we need to recruit as much reinforcements as we can with every conversation, with every time we meet with someone. Lord, give me the words. Give me the boldness to say it when I know what to say. What can happen in Porch and in the world if we have the words and the boldness and the prayers to speak the word, that the word might spread through Porch through the world? So that's an application for us. Don't be afraid to ask for prayer. Don't be afraid to do that. Ask for it regularly. This is how we fight. On our knees, before the Father of lights, and God is inviting us into a life of communion with Him throughout the day. And as we obediently and faithfully take up the whole armor of God, in deep dependence on God in prayer, we will find that we will become more than conquerors, through him who loved us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, please forgive us for our prayerlessness and our selfishness. Lord, so often we ask and do not receive because we ask wrongly to spend it on our own passions i pray lord that you would please cause us to repent deeply of this and bring us back to that place where we seek to find and make our souls happy in you to such an extent that our prayers flow naturally to you in all um, variety of prayers, in dependence on the Holy Spirit for all the saints. May we be more disciplined in this matter, Lord, and help us to be intentional with our prayer lives. Lord, I pray for us as a church, but also just for the church in Port of Sturm and the wider church in South Africa. Father, please, we, we pray for a revival, a revival of your church, that your people might cry out to you for mercy and for grace, that you might save so many more people for your name's sake, that we would be so much more faithful to speak the words and to speak them boldly, what people need to hear. Oh Lord, please strengthen us in this. And thank you for your forgiving grace, but thank you also for your transforming grace that makes us more like your son. We pray all of this for your name's sake, Jesus. Amen.